The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 92 of the Underdog Sports MLB show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. Didn't think we were going to have a lot of baseball news this week, but we had a couple of big headlines late in the week. Uh, The first of which I'm going to just say at the outset before we break into it later on. What do you think the Bovada Sportsbook odds coming into the week were that Dave Dombrowski was going to be back in baseball as the president of baseball operations for the Phillies, especially given how adamant he was about not taking that Angels GM job earlier in the offseason where he could have been the GM for Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, and Albert Pujols? I mean, the odds were probably lessened when uh, the Phillies finances reports came out. But he was the perfect guy to spend stupid money. And that's why it really would have been the perfect fit there. Because they don't have many prospects to trade in Anaheim. Not that they have a ton in Philadelphia. Would have been a great fit there. Um, So we're going to talk about Dombrowski a little bit more later on. Uh, The gist of it is the big reason he ended up taking this job, it seems like, is because Manfred said to him that Nashville and a potential expansion team there is put on the back burner with everything related to the pandemic. And Dombrowski had said earlier in the offseason, I'm sticking with this, I'm seeing it through, when it sounded like it was going to be more of a long shot, talk to John Middleton, the owner of the Phillies, seems like this was too good of a gig to pass up. So we'll talk about how that's going to impact the Phillies and the Phillies. I would love a Nashville baseball team. Cause, uh, it's a great market. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of Braves fans down there, but they love the Preds, they love Derrick Henry. They love their balls. Even though Vanderbilt is yeah, in Nashville. Yeah, it's like a Vandy city. Um, but no, Nashville, that, that's a fun town. That's a place that free agents would go. So we're going to talk about Nebraska. And like, for whatever it's worth, college baseball doesn't produce a ton of stars. Vandy's one of those programs that gets people to the major leagues. And Tennessee, honestly. big Two big SEC programs. But Vandy specifically in the past, really, decade. They've won two College World Series. Uh, I think most recently their highest touted pick, uh, Austin Martin, went sixth in this past draft. Am I bet? Wasn't Dansby Swanson? Swanson went one there. And Price went one there. In 2014, Price went one out of there. Um, But in next year's draft, I don't know if he's the number one projected prospect, but the number one right handed pitching prospect is out of Vanderbilt, and that's Jack Leiter, son of Al. Good for Al. Jack is a beast. Like Al, Al obviously had a great MLB career, is great in television, but, you know, Al was, when you think of a lefty, Al Leiter is kind of what you think of, you know? Like topped out at 90, nibbled around the edges, and had a good career because of it. Jack Leiter is your stereotypical 6'3 right-hander, just pumping heat. Sounds good. So we're going to talk about Nebraska in a little bit. We're going to also stay in the NLEs. Mets with their first big free agent signing of the Steve Cohen era. Also hired a general manager. We'll talk about that. And we also have, we haven't done it in a little bit, but we're going to do some fun rankings, uh, all branching off of Bryce's love of Prince Fielder. We talked last week about Prince being a great 3-4 punch with Ryan Braun. We're going to rank our top 3-4 punches in the batting order of the past, we're going to call it 20 or so years. 2000 is going to be our cutoff of in our lifetime. 
So we've got a lot for you on tap today, but we are going to start with number 92 on the Yankees. Uh, and it's crazy. We're going to, in about eight episodes, have to think of something else to start the show with because there's no triple-digit numbers. Um, I don't think that'll be We can find a... Maybe we'll just start going numbers in baseball history starting over at one. Or we could do uh, batting averages. I'm sure Gary Sanchez is probably bad at 100 one year. I'm going to give Gary a little bit of love, though. He's looked really good in the Winter League. I think I... Take that with the biggest uh, grain of salt that you could have. That is such a glass half full way to look at things. I envy your optimism. But Someone's got to be optimistic for the guy. The other shot, not shout out, it was a really sad tweet that I saw actually, and it goes to our love with Albert Pools before we do number 92. Oh, I saw this one, yeah. This I texted tough. it to you. Yeah, no, this is tough. And this is where I feel really, it's like Mike Trout might be the best baseball player any of us will ever see in our lifetime all around. Not a crazy take. Even though you can make the argument right now Mookie Betts is the better all-around player, Mike Trout, just what he's done his first decade in the league, is unmatched. But Is it unmatched? I think all-around play, yes, it's unmatched. If you go by the war, the answer is yes. I know that's... I was gonna, doesn't, is it Albert, wasn't Albert's first decade in the league just as good as Trout's? Had less war, though. But he had more rings. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's all, it all has to do with everything. But Pools with the Angels has just been such a disaster the past 10 years or so. And it's to the point where Pujols, who when I want to say left the Cardinals, was probably... I'm gonna, the number I'm going to throw out is 328, career hitter. That, I don't know offhand. You can check. That's but, not a hard check. But like, seems like it could be right. <laughs> and Pools, for the first time in his career after this season, the average has dipped below... 300. He is now a 299 career hitter, and it just shows how bad it has been for Pujols in an Angels uniform. I mean, look, we still love the guy. That's it. We just love him. <laughs> we just love him. So number 92, there's never been a 92 for the Yankees. There's actually only been one in baseball history, and that is Genesis Cabrera for the Cardinals. There's none in the NBA, so I'm going to throw it over to a quartet of defenders in the NFL, all great I mean, players. Look, we grew up Giants fans. Oh, man. Uh, Reggie White, too. So Strahan's two. Reggie White's one. So then you rank three, four between another two guys we grew up watching. Um, Haloti Nakta. Are you going to say Albert Hainsworth? James Harrison. Uh, so Albert Hainsworth, clear five. Clear five, sure. Not a four. Harrison... Three, Strahan, two, Reggie White, one. I will always have a special heart, this place in my heart for James Harrison. I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but when they played in that Super Bowl with the Cardinals, or against the Cardinals, uh, my family, I forget what numbers we had in the square, but we won $2,500 on that 100-yard pick six to end the half. Uh, and when James Harrison, when they were reviewing the play, we were absolutely freaking out. That's awesome. I mean, that was a sick play. I think that trip paid for a family. I think James Harrison paid for my family to go on vacation that year. Where'd you go? I don't know. Uh, you know, you want to know what my honest response is where I think we went? You saved it for Amsterdam? No, I think we went to Delaware for a week. <laughs> you talk about exciting. Oh, God. Yeah, sorry I pushed you to answer that question. Because that was not... Yeah, what? Dewey Beach? Or is that even Delaware? Bethany. Bethany? I saw you in Bethany one year, I think. I don't think so. No, maybe that was Stubman. Dickoff? I definitely saw the Dickoffs there. I know the Dickoffs. You saw there. a lot of random folks there over the years. I just figured I've seen you in enough places. Maybe that would have been another place I saw you. Guess I was wrong. Nope. But next week, we could be recording from a new location for To us. quote the Dropkick Murphys, we are shipping up to Boston. Pending a few variables. Pending a few variables. We might have some fun guests. 
Um, fun might not be the word I want to use, but we might have some guests. <laughs> yeah, we might have some guests. <laughs> so going into the hot stove, it's going to be the first of our two big Mets reports. Uh, the Mets found their answer at the catcher position. I know a lot of fans were clamoring for JT Realmuto, but they went out and signed the second best catcher on the market, James McCann, new catcher of the Mets. Four-year, $40 million contract pending a physical. Uh, this just completes a remarkable turnaround for McCann in his career. He's 30 years old. Two off-seasons ago, he was non-tendered by the Tigers on the heels of a disastrous year at the plate. And again, remember, this is post-Verlander Tigers, so they stunk. It wasn't like they were a good team, you know. No, they stunk. Chipping away. They stunk and got rid of McCann. Signed a one-year deal with the White Sox to serve as a backup and then enjoyed a career year. Was an all-star, 273, 328, 460, 18 homers for the White Sox. Uh, last year in 31 games in 2020, hit 289. Over the past two years, 276, 334, 474, 25 homers, 29 doubles, and 587 plate appearances. So offensively, very strong. Um, but defensively, also good. He has, he with the Tigers, now 37% of would-be base dealers, which is a very strong knock. Receiving ability, slightly below average in terms of framing metrics. Um, but again, especially compared to Wilson Ramos behind the dish, a big upgrade for the Mets. Mets catchers last year had 239, 294, 403. So big upgrade there. Uh, what are your thoughts on what was the first signing of the Steve Cohen era? Not the splashiest one, but I think a good year, a good signing. And even though McCann is 30, uh, at four years at $10 million a pop, a decent enough move for the Mets. Yeah, decent enough is what I'd go with there. It's it's not special. But given the money, like I think... It's, look, it's... it's a, it's not special. It's not the big name that JT would have been, but it's a good piece. Uh, if this is it for the offseason, I think Mets fans would call it a disappointment. But if this is a precursor move to a Springer, uh, a Bauer, a Lindor trade, whatever. If this is the first domino, that's fine, but this can't be the whole package. Yeah, and, and I think it, from everything that I've read, it sounds like they opted for McCann at 10 a year because they're the favorites on Springer. It sounds like, like you said, this is going to be the first of many moves. Uh, to me, this is a much better move than when they gave Wilson Ramos three for 30 in their last foray into free agency at the catching position. I think he's just as good of a hitter as Ramos and defensively is a big upgrade. Marcus Strowinner went out and tweeted how excited he is to throw to McCann. Um, but the question is now, with the Mets full at the catcher position, who is the new Bavada favorite in the clubhouse for JT Realmuto? It's Philly still. It's still Philly. It's, it's got to be Philly. Because Philly can't afford to lose him because Harper came out today with the video. If that guy's angry, if you lose your franchise player, I mean, Harper actually said it pretty well. He's the best hitting catcher and the best fielding catcher. Probably the best running catcher, too, for what it's worth. Uh, You don't let that guy walk. And if you do, Harper has every reason to be angry. Yeah. I mean, the fact that they're... We've talked about it the past couple weeks, but... The fact that they have Harper to that long deal and they're threatening to lose the premier player at a position strictly because of money, that's a really tough blow for a guy like Bryce Harper to understand. And if not Philly, who who goes after JT? So that was going to be my next question. Who like, do you think it is if not Philly? And the answer is, I really don't know. Washington? I just think Washington has so many holes elsewhere. Um, and, and honestly, it's like at a certain point... Yes, the Scherzer contract is coming off the books, but I think they have to bring him back beyond this year. Uh, even though he's going to be 37, he's been so great for that organization, and it still looks good. You probably don't need to pay him 30 million after this one. No, 100. percent I wonder not. what that'll be. I, that'll be exciting. I wonder what contract he gets in a year. I mean, if he comes out and pitches 
like typical Scherzer. I think the two, I, the problem is you have this comp now where Verlander signed that two year deal. I think it was for it was a lot. I think it was for right around like thirty a year, and that's a very similar comp. I know Verlander was coming off the Cy Young season, but Scherzer has a he's been more durable, more durable, pretty much a non existent injury history. To be honest, like a, his injuries are fluky. Like he had, he batted the ball off. It's like minor things here and there, like a minor back, but nothing on the shoulder or elbow, which is big for an older pitcher. Um, if not the Nationals, it's tough because the Dodgers aren't going to spend money, or if they are going to spend money, I don't think they got to bring their own guys back. Yeah, and they have Will Smith, the catcher. Him and Barnes, I think, are going to be the guys going forward there. Uh, one team that wouldn't surprise me, just because they've been in on so many guys, I would say don't sleep on the Blue Jays if they're going to go out and spend money. But again, you're banking on that. And just looking around the rest of the league, I, can't, I just can't really think of many landing spots, the teams that are going to go out there and be willing to spend money. No, I think he's going to end up back in Philadelphia, unless if the Yankees are not as optimistic on Gary as you are. Are the Yankees a team that could go after him? Sure. I, I think this is not the offseason for him to end up on the Yankees. Uh, so given that McCann just set the catcher's market, 4 for 40, I'm going to put the Bavada over-under right now on the Real Muto contract in terms of money. At $120 million. Under. Um, weird offseason. I think it gets I think he gets 110. It's just kind of a soft under, but it's still under. For how many years? Four. I think four for 110. Even five for 110 at 20. The catcher market, the problem is it's just so hard to read because it seems like every big contract, and again, there's not there hasn't been a ton of huge contracts that have been getting at the catcher. Well, it's Mauer, Mauer at uh, eight for 160. Bad contract, was playing first by the end. The Posey contract has not been great. Even Yachty's three for 60. I mean, he played, but he was nowhere near a $20 million a year player. Um, It's really hard to figure out what catchers are going to get. But again, this is the guy who is the best in every facet of the game at the position. And if you're the Phillies, you have to find a way to retain him. But again, he's not going to be with the Mets. We know that. James McCann is going to be their catcher. Uh, And it's really interesting now with what the Phillies are going to do this offseason because we've heard how much they're crunched for cash, but they went out and hired Dave Dombrowski as president of baseball operations, and this is a guy who is known for spending money. Uh, he was the architect of the 2018 Red Sox team that won 108 games in the regular season, beat 200 win teams in October, and then toppled the Dodgers to win the World Series. But then he was fired less than 11 months later after crashing with ownership, clashing with ownership over the future of the franchise. And he was right. That he was 100% was- right. I mean, the Mookie Betts trade, he was right to want to leave. We mentioned Nashville. He was all in on bringing baseball to Nashville. But again, once it sounded like that was not going to happen in the near future. If he's going to stop, should I get in on that? Say that again? Should I get in on that move baseball to Nashville? No one is a bigger proponent of Nashville than you, so it might make sense. I know that uh, the David Kahn attempt to get baseball to Portland didn't work. So that could also give me a leg up on David Kahn. You could be the guy. This is an interesting search for the Phillies. Um, they at, they interviewed Twins GM Thad Levine and Dodgers Vice President of Baseball Operations Josh Burns, but both removed themselves from consideration for the job. Michael Hill, the former Marlins president, were the only non-known candidates to interview. Uh, Dombrowski, when he got hired, said, I consider this a retool and not a rebuild for sure. I think there are too many good players on this club. We have a star player in right field and Bryce Harper and some good players around him. And any time you have three good starting pitchers like we have at the top of the rotation, you're in pretty good shape to be competitive. Who are they calling as the three That's good what I was about pitchers? to ask you. I mean, you have Nola and you have Wheeler. That's a really good one, Velasquez? Too. He sucks. I think Velasquez is a free agent, honestly. Are they thinking maybe Spencer Howard, the prospect? I mean, I'm just looking. I, I, that, that quote struck me as wrong because I couldn't name 
I couldn't I couldn't name it. I'm looking at the depth chart right now. I mean, is Zach Eflin considered the third good starter? Like, there's nobody here that... That's a low bar. Yeah, there's nobody here that jumps off the page to me. Um, the craziest part when I was reading about Dombrowski is he has hired... The Phillies haven't made the playoffs in nine years, which is the longest drought in the National League. Has it been that long since the Howard Utley teams? Yeah, uh, Howard popped his Achilles in uh, Game 5, 2011, NLDS. Because it was the same day Steve Jobs died. Wow. That is the best, not the best, but the most interesting fun fact we've given in quite some time. I thought we gave a good one earlier. We're always giving good fun facts, Chase. Always good about the random tidbits. Look, Dombrowski has won everywhere he's gone. He's the only GM slash president of baseball ops in modern times to build World Series teams with three different franchises. He won with the Red Sox. He won with the Marlins. He got the Tigers there twice and is only one of five GMs to win a World Series with two different teams. Uh, the others are Theo Epstein, John Shearholtz, Bob Hausman, and former Phillies GM Pat Gillick. His teams in Detroit and Boston made it to the postseason seven times just in the last decade. Uh, took over the expansion Marlins, won in 97, led the Expos to the playoffs when he took over in 1990 when he was only 33 years old. Uh, and I think, That Expos team was good. And I think the biggest reason for optimism if you're a Phillies fan behind the, other than, you know, Dombrowski's track record of winning everywhere, is when he arrived in Detroit in November 2001, they were coming off of eight straight losing seasons and eventually went to 12 in a row. But then once they made that Miggy trade, I mean, you can make an argument they were the powerhouse of the National League for six, seven years. Of the American League? Yeah. What did I say, National League? You said National I meant American League. I had a 50-50 shot. I mean, from 06 to 2012, those are the two. I mean, even... I mean, did they do better than the Yankees? That I think so. They made it to two World Series. The Rangers made it to two. But the Tigers were always in it. Always were winning the Central. And again, the Central... And that was... And he took over that situation. That situation didn't have Bryce Harper in right field. Dombrowski had to go out and find him. That situation didn't have JT Realmuto as a free agent that... They're more that whatever. I don't even know what you would call it. That they didn't have the home field advantage on the JT sweepstakes. So when somebody brought up that JT originally was asking for around two hundred million, um, Dombrowski, that's laughable. Dombrowski recognized that they are going to spend less this year. Um, there is going to be some flexibility to make moves, but can they get something like that done? He said, "I'm really not sure." So he is recognizing that JT might not necessarily been back. Um, and, and one interesting note that Dombrowski brought up himself is everyone criticizes Dombrowski for trading prospects, which. I think on some level is true, but if you look at that Red Sox team that won, you know, he traded Moncada and Kopech to go get sale, but he kept Bogarts, he kept Devers, he kept Jackie Bradley Jr., he kept, kept Mookie Betts. Kennedy, he kept Mookie Betts. I mean, that was, that's the core of that team, and he didn't trade a single one. No, I mean, but you, you have to trade prospects to get players. I, I don't, I'm always in the camp of, Trade your prospects because you don't know what they are. They're prospects for a reason. He you, said the only trade that he regrets was trading Eugenio Suarez as a Tigers infielder prospect for Alfredo Simone. That's uh, okay. That's maybe maybe that's not true because that seems like somebody would say a random trade just to to know. Th- that seems like a lie. That's what Dombrowski said himself. Uh, so again, the Phillies. Who knows what this means in terms of spending? Uh, to me, a guy like Dombrowski makes it maybe a little bit more likely that Real Muto's back. But again, we mentioned they haven't made the postseason in nine straight years. Let's say they bring JT back. Dombrowski's at the helm going forward. Um, I'm going to set the Bavada over-under for this one at two and a half years for when the Phillies will make their next playoff appearance. What are you taking the over or the under? I'm going to take the over. 
So that means three year plus. I think the next two years they do not reach the postseason. But I don't think to me that's as much of an indictment on the Phillies. I just think it's the fact that I think the Nats are going to be back next year with a healthy pitching staff. Braves are at worst the third best team in the National League, and the Mets are shaping up to be a juggernaut. I just think even if you bring JT back, you bring Dombrowski back, this is still a team that's going to have to make up considerable ground unless they expand I mean, the playoffs. I mean, they're in, they're, in they're in a division with the best young team in baseball, the Atlanta Braves. I I don't really see – there's no there's no overnight solution for them to, to surpass the Braves. So they're going to be competing for wild cards for at least the next two years. So, yeah, take the over. And honestly, I think if the Nats bring Scherzer back and they get another bat – and the Mets and the Mets are going to do what the Mets are expected to do. I think they're at best, even with JT, the fourth best team in that in their own division. I think they might be the best team in the NL Central, which all of a sudden went from the most competitive to what might be the worst division in baseball. Unfortunately, though, they play on the East Coast. Yeah, but there's some perks to playing on the East Coast. You can get free agents like Harper. And the fans don't have to stay up very late to watch the games. The West Coast road trips when we go out there are brutal. But I guess that in itself has to do with living on the East Coast. Yeah, not sure what your point was there. It made a lot of sense in my head. Moving on, sticking in the East. Uh, the Mets, Sandy Alderson, they couldn't fire, find a president of baseball ops, so Sandy's taking that role this year. But they did hire a general manager, a guy who I admittedly had not heard of, um, but everything that I've read about the guy gives him glowing reviews, and that is Jared Porter. Uh, he was a prominent member of Theo Epstein's executive tree, um, and it sounds like he's going to be the next GM as the Mets. He began his career, Porter, under Epstein in Boston, won four World Series championships between his time with the Red Sox and Cubs. Uh, and he, this guy, Porter, has been linked to numerous GM jobs over the past few years, including the Cubs open position. Um, but again, it sounds like he's moving to New York. Uh, and part of that, from what I've read, is it sounds like Alderson's not going to be the president for long, so there's a lot of potential for upward movement there, but for now he's just a GM. Um, Porter spent the past four seasons as Arizona's assistant GM following a stint as director of pro scouting with the Red Sox and Cubs. One rings 04, 07, 13, and 16. Three of the four came alongside Epstein, and along the way he developed a reputation as a shrewd talent evaluator and well-liked executive. Um, one executive who worked with Porter, call, Porter called him a great, great human. Uh, Dan Heron said, Mets got it right. He's the man. He beat out a group of finalists that included A's assistant GM Billy Owens uh, and Red Sox assistant GM Zach Scott, as well as Michael Hill, who we mentioned before. Uh, Porter's only 40 years old, so very young. A lot of room to grow with this team here. Uh, he's a Minnesota native who went to high school in Massachusetts, attended Bowdoin College in Maine, uh, and that led him to the Cape Cod League and the Red Sox, and once in Boston, worked his way at the baseball ops a baseball ops ladder, topped out as director of pro scouting before taking the same job under Epstein with the Cubs, assistant GM under Mike Hazen in Arizona, uh, and he's best known for unearthing Daniel Nava from the independent leagues for a $1 signing bonus, made sure Brock Holt was included as a secondary piece in a Mark Melanson, Joel Hanahan's uh, trade, uh, and also strongly advocated for the Red Sox to sign Justin Turner to a minor league deal after the Mets not intended him. Obviously, do uh, the Dodgers got him, uh, but Ben Charrington, the former GM of the Red Sox and now of the Pirates, he credited Porter with a lot of the background work for the for the Red Sox 2012 and 13. Yeah, you don't want credit for the Pirates. Don't want credit for the Pirates. Basically, he gave Porter a lot of the credit for helping build that 2013 World Series team. I mean, look, this is a signing, I think, for the casual baseball fan. Is it going to jump off the page? But it sounds like the Mets got a strong, young, up-and-comer GM, uh, which kind of goes against the grain from the past couple hires that they've made. Uh, any thoughts on Jared Porter, given we really don't know a whole lot about the guy? No, but he seems good. And the big thing with front office is getting everyone on the same page. And if this guy's going to be in line with what Cohen and Alderson want to do, 
then it's a good hire. I think the biggest thing, too, here is they didn't go for the splashy name. They went for the right name. It wasn't like when they hired Brody for the sake of, it almost seems like making an impact. seems like they did their homework with this one. I mean, Billy Owens is a guy who's been mentioned for so many GM positions. Uh, and Porter ended up beating them all out. Uh, so here's going to be my last over-under for a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go Bavada over-under three and a half years, assuming all goes well, that Porter becomes the new president of baseball ops for the Mets. Probably under because Sandy's getting old. You think if it goes right with Porter for the next year or two, maybe they just give him the role? Yeah. And call it a day? Yeah, I think it's going to be. If, I mean, in a happy world, which isn't what Mets fans are used to or ever expecting. Uh, you just kind of like people get old, move on, and then the people within the organization move up. Now, let me ask you this, because this is an interesting point that people throughout the internet have brought up. If Theo sits out this year, but he knows he has Jared Porter in place as GM, who he has a working relationship with, do you think this makes makes it any more likely that come 2022 season, Theo Epstein could end up as the president of the New York Mets? Doesn't hurt. Certainly doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. But I don't think that's why this move was made. That's a weird. That, that's a weird way to do business. Banking on other people's relationships. It's just a good byproduct, almost. But it's yeah, a happy accident, as it were. So the front offices in the NL East getting short up heading into the season. Last week we talked about the All MLB teams, and they were officially announced this week. Uh, and we did pretty good in terms of picking these. I think we both had Salvador Perez's catcher on the first team, right? Yep. Freddie ended up getting the nod at first. I went Freddie, you went Abreu. We would have been fine either way there. Mm-hmm. DJ, we got right at second. Yep. Tatis, we got right at short. Um, I think you got third right. You went Machado. Of I course went Jose. I did. Outfield was a no-brainer. Mookie, Trout, Soto, we got that right. DH, Marcelo Zuna, we got right. Um, I think we got – I got all five right on the first team for pitchers. Um, Bauer, Bieber, Darvish – and DeGrom were the four we had. I went Max Fried as my fifth. Who did you go with? I probably went Kershaw because I didn't want to pick anyone else. I had Liam Hendricks with Devin Williams on the first team. Nick Anderson got the second nod. Uh, and then on the second team, we both had JT. I had Abreu because yeah. uh, Brandon Lau I had a second. Short, did you go? Who'd you go with? I think I went Tim Anderson. Okay, so we actually both got this wrong. I went with Trey Turner. They gave it to Corey Seager. Can't complain. Can't complain. Jose at second. Uh, Al- Jose at third. Ramirez. Jose at third. Jose Ramirez at third. Two of the outfielders we got right, Acuna and Mike Yastrzemski. I went Eloy Jimenez as my third. Do you remember who you went with? I do not. Regardless, they gave it to Michael Conforto. I did not go with Michael Conforto. You know what, though? Had a breakout year for the Mets and was a big part of my fantasy team, so I give him a lot of love. Nelson Cruz at DH, no surprise there. Uh, and then in the rotation, we got Kershaw right. I think I had Lamed in there, so we got yep. that right. Um, I had Maeda. I did not have Ryu and Garrett Cole. I think you had them both. I had them both, yeah. Devin Williams, second-team relief pitcher. Uh, I don't think either of us, though, had Brad, the recently released Brad Hand. No, but I thought about him because he's a guy that always shows up on fantasy mock drafts because he gets a bunch of saves. He was, un- I mean, he was unbelievable until the playoffs. I just think, unfortunately, when you think of Brad Hand from this past season, you just think of him blowing that game against the Yankees in game two, which is too bad. Yeah, but you know what? It wasn't bad at the time. No, sick for us. Yes. I've never been more tired after watching a baseball game the next day. Yeah, but it's worth it. All right. I'm also glad I watched that game by myself because I was an emotional roller coaster. We had a blast watching game one. We did. That was that was an epic slugfest. Shane Bieber will probably never have a worse start in his career than that. I hope not because I really like Shane Bieber. 25 years old, a lot of room to grow. Another guy we mentioned last week in terms of the non-tender deadline was David Dahl. 
Uh, again, very young, was an all-star with the Rockies in 2019, and he's turning 27 on April 1st. Um, he agreed to a one-year $3 million with the Rangers, arbitration eligible for each of the next two off-seasons. Uh, last year in 24 games, he had 183, 247 battling injuries. But again, in 2019, uh, he had 302, 353, 524, 15 homers, 61 ribbies. Um, should get a lot of look in Texas this year, given that they are in a full. No, I think mode. I think that's a real good. That's a good spot for him. It's a good fit. Uh, I like that signing a lot. Low risk, of course. All one year deals are low risk, so I like that a lot. But I'm I was, always I was, rooting for Dahl. What I was going to ask you for Dahl though is uh, career course field three eighteen three sixty one five fifty six hitter away two forty eight three hundred two four twenty hitter. Where do you think David Dahl settles in in Texas, given that that's a hitter's park in itself? Probably closer to the uh, course field numbers. If I I, mean, I like Dahl, so I'll, I'm partial to giving him the benefit of the doubt here. Uh, but yeah, Texas people hit the crap out of the ball in those Texas summers, so I expect him to hit the crap. Oh, that was the new stadium with dome, retractable roof, retractable. Roof. So it's going to be open most of the time in the summer. Correct. That, that's the answer to my question. Sticking in the American League, quick note here because I just want to talk about it. We think there's going to be any discipline. We covered it a few weeks ago, but. Tony LaRusso, the new White Sox manager, agreed today to plead guilty to a reduced rec charge of reckless driving, a Class 2 misdemeanor under Arizona law, stemming from his February DUI arrest. Um, he's going to spend up to one day in jail. However, the state stipulated a willingness to approve work release or house detention in lieu of jail time so long as the presiding judge approves. And the party party's agreements also calls for LaRusso to pay a fine of $1,383 plus incarceration expenses as well as 20 hours of community service. I guess the question here is, given it's not a DUI charge now, and as you mentioned before when we were talking about it before recording, LaRusso wasn't an employee of the MLB when this took place. Do we think there's going to be any discipline from the league? And do we think now that it's not a formal DUI that the White Sox are any more or less inclined, I guess less inclined is going to be the answer, uh, to make a change of manager coming into the season? I don't think they're – if they didn't make the change immediately, they weren't going to make the change. Um, LaRusso is also not the long-term guy in Chicago. Because uh, LaRusso's not really a long-term guy for planet Earth at this point. He's Hard, old. Harsh, but yeah, true. Objectively <laughs> true. And so, I mean, and they knew about this before they hired him. They were okay hiring him. Uh, the MLB probably won't suspend him. Uh, he's got a pretty good relationship with everybody at the MLB office since he just worked there. And he's Hall of Fame manager, Tony LaRusso. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be fine. This is just a bad look. Anytime you get a DUI, it's bad look. Please don't drink and drive. Just call an Uber. It's 2020. That's yeah. that's going to be the last we mention of this because there's no need to keep talking about it. Uh, but we're going to switch from a negative story to a very positive story, and that is the fact that the MLB released their comeback players of the year for this year. Uh, in the American League, no surprise, Salvador Perez. Um, Silver Slugger, uh, the six-time All-Star, came back from a torn ACL this year and was also the first time first team All-MLB catcher. Uh, this year, 333 average, 986 OPS, 663 slugging, all careers highs, 11 homers, 32 ribbies, and 37 games. Third silver slugger. Uh, I guess my question for you is, I, I mean, Salvador Perez is not a guy that I think of at all in the Hall of Fame discussion, but giving six all-stars, he's now got three silver sluggers. Nope. I think he's got five gold gloves. Just hear me out. Say he plays another three strong years in Kansas City and finishes as an eight-time gold glove award winner and a nine-time all-star. I think you got to at least talk about him. That's that's Yadi Molina in a nutshell. Is it Yadi Molina? I, I think. It's All right. Yeah. Posey, Mauer, Salvi, Yadi. 
I think he is the fourth best catcher. Uh, I mean, I guess Posada. Well, I just say Posada. Does Pos- if Posada doesn't get in, is there any chance Salvi gets in? I think it depends on how his numbers project to. But on on the outset, I would say no. There you go. And of the other three you ranked in terms of how I would vote for the Hall of Fame, I feel like it's these two. I have this discussion a lot. We, we've I think we've talked about this on air a couple times. Someone, te- Simon, uh, my friend Simon, check out KTCC News Twelve out in Grand Junction. Uh, he asked me that same question. I would go. I, it's as crazy as this is. I would actually go, despite the three rings and the MVP, Posey's last for me. I would vote Yachty one when all is said and done. He's going to finish with like 2,200 hits, all the All-Stars, all the old gloves, gold gloves, two rings. I think Maurer's career was short, but again, MVP, three, three batting titles, won a couple gold gloves. And then I would go with Posey just because I think given the injuries that his career's had, I just don't know what his counting numbers are. I think he like peaked. At the end of the day. I, I think he, he peaked, peaked too early. He peaked the first five years of his career, and he hasn't really done a whole lot since 2016. But what an epic first five years! Three rings and MVP. I, I mean, rookie, especially given that he did it. Year at also, the, right? Especially given that he did it at the catcher position, as good of a first five years in a career as I think you could have. I think that's what uh, benefits Yachty the most is that all of his numbers are catching numbers. All of his numbers are catching numbers. He's got the longevity, and he also has the rings. So it's like the argument that you use for Posey, you could also use for Yachty. Two rings. Two rings, catcher, storied franchise. So you going to end up back in St. Louis? I don't think. It doesn't look like it. If I'm a team, and I think we mentioned this a few weeks back, I'm looking into bringing in Wayno and Yachty as a combo. Wayno, and you know there's only one team that makes sense to do it. And you know who it is, Chase. Say it. No, it would be the Yankees. It, or the Angels. It would be the Angels. Bring back... And they are the team that should have signed La Russa at that point. That might be too smart of a move for the Cardinals, honestly. For the Cardinals or the Or Angels? for the Angels. If they bring back Albert's boys? I just think bringing in Wayno, too. It's not only a veteran arm, but like you have Griff Canning, you have Otani, you have Andrew Haney, all these young arms. Wayno would be such an invaluable resource to all of those young pitchers. Yeah. I like this move a lot for the Angels. As we said, it makes too much sense. We're trying to figure... Ne- we chase we next. We need to get these Bovado Angels odds up there because uh, I'm gonna throw. I, I want to bet on them before they make these one of the major moves that we keep telling them to do. Uh, and I don't want those odds to shoot down. Let me take a peek real quick if I could. Because uh, look again, the Angels could do nothing, and they have the best player. They have Trout and Rendon in that lineup, and I. And you still have to at least respect Pujols. There are currently else. no futures for win losses yet, so. The over-unders, I would think, will come in 2020. But what's their World Series odds? They don't even have that up yet. Okay. Too much going on at the moment, so we'll see soon. Uh, And in the National League, this guy is the definition of a comeback player of the year. One of the ultimate long shot stories, uh, and that's Daniel Bard. Returned to the big leagues after a six-year hiatus. Uh, Came up in 2010 as a reliever, 193 ERA over 73 appearances. Gets the yips. Injuries and mechanical issues during the 12 season made only two MLB appearances in 13. Uh, ultimately retired in 2017. Came back at spring training this year for the Rockies. Made the opening day roster. Got the win on opening day um, in his season debut. 14 of 23 appearances this year. He held the opposition scoreless. 4-2, and two, six, save, 6 saves, 3-6-5 ERA. Great story. And, and I think... The fact that he did it in Colorado makes it all the more impressive. Yeah, my vote was uh, for a different Rocky. My vote was for Matt Kemp. So, not his year. Maybe next year's the year for the Kempster. But I don't. probably not for comeback player of the year because he was decent enough. 
So I know Comeback Player of the Year is an award that, I mean, obviously it got announced a full two, three weeks here, maybe even a month after the other main awards. But, you know, I, I think is still a significant award in my mind. It does reward players who are coming back from injuries. So who would you say are the early, in your mind, Bavada favorites for 2021 Comeback Player of the Year? Is Kopesh eligible? I would say yes. Uh, I, I, I like Kopesh. I've always liked Kopesh, so uh, I would vote Kopesh in the AL and the NL. Maybe a guy like Stroman gets it done? So I'm in the AL. I'm going with Stanton. Didn't play a lot last year, even though he raked in the postseason. I'm yeah, just, but he, I don't think he counts. I'm going to go Stanton in the AL uh, and in the National League. I'm going to go with a different guy who opted out, not Stroman. David Price? I think David Price is going to have a real nice year for the Dodgers next year. Yeah, how scary Had a full year to get healthy. He's going to have no pressure as the defending World Series champ. Speaking of which, does Price, does he get a ring for last year, you think? I don't think it appears on his Wikipedia page, but I think he might get one in the mail. I'm going to check the baseball reference page right now because I think you said it right. No, yeah. only has one World Series championship. I agree. Yeah. But he'll still get in the ring. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Price is going to be, at best, their three-starter, maybe even their four-starter, depending on what they do with Urias. No pressure. Full year to get healthy with that lineup. I really like David Price next year. It's not a bad call, Chase. I like where your head's at. But I guess, wait, why did I pick Stroman? I, just, I think I picked Stroman just so I could have an answer at the ready. It's okay. I much... Like I, mean, I just talking into price. <laughs> well, you talked me into price, but that's before a bunch of moves get made. I'm just trying to think of guys because traditionally this is for guys who either have a great narrative or were injured, and I just can't think of any stars who really miss significant playing time. No, but it was a weird season for because Matt Chapman played enough where his surgery I don't think comes into play. Yeah, I guess when you put it, it's it's weird. Um, I like the price pick. I, I want to say Felix, but I don't even know if Felix gets a shot next year. I'm going to throw one other National League guy out, a guy who opted out but because of health concerns, and that's going to be Jordan Hicks, closer for the Cardinals. Last time we saw him, he was throwing 105. I think he could light the bullpen on fire there. And What about Flaherty? Flaherty just had a bad year, but I don't think it was so, so bad. Syndergaard. He's... That's a good pick for Comeback Player of the Year. That's my official pick. The last award that was given out this offseason was the Edgar Martinez Outstanding DH Award. It might be the only year ever that a National Leaguer wins it, um, but Marcelo Zuno won the award over Nelson Cruz. Last year, he hit an NL Best 18 homers, career best in batting average of 338, 431 on base, and a 636 slugging, though he was used as an outfielder in 15, in the, 15 of the Braves' first 32 games. Uh, looks like he DH the rest of the way. Uh, and my question for you here is, given that he won DH of the year, I know we talked last week about how he played the outfield again. I just mentioned he played the outfield half of the Braves' first 32 games, which was a quarter of the season there. Do you think Marcelo Zuna gets over under, I'll put it at $120 million next year? He'll get under. He does, he's a DH. Uh, unless if he signs up for a super long-term deal. Um, my guess is, I mean, he's heard very much by this DH thing, him and Nelly Cruz, of course. Um, but I I think under, I don't think teams are going to give over a hundred million dollars to a DH. He might end up on a, he might end up on a similar one year prove it deal. And then if the DH can expand to both, then is when he strikes the market. But, uh, that's a game for him and his agent to play, not me on the side. Yeah. Hopefully he gets a contract soon, but given how the off season's been, uh, given all the questions around Ozuna's game and the DH itself, I think Ozuna will be one of the last free agents to sign. Uh, one more award, and 
This is a guy who is very much not known, I would say, for the award that he was given. Um, but Al Michaels is heading the Cooperstown as the 2021 recipient of the Ford Frick Award for baseball broadcasting. He was selected from among eight finalists for the annual award. Uh, to be honest, I've I've never seen Al Michaels call a baseball game. It was I'm imagine time. yeah, I would imagine he's very good at it though. I mean, you think of Al Michaels, you think of the miracle call. Obviously, you think of football. I think of Sunday Night Football. But Al Michaels started his career as the lead announcer for the Reds in 71, made the move to the Giants in 74, and joined ABC Sports two years later and was the play-by-play voice of Monday Night Baseball. Uh, perhaps his most famous call was in the 89 World Series during the earthquake. He yeah, was that's the what I was there. Okay. Um, But Al, very casually in the 70s and the 80s, called six All-Star games, eight League Championship Series, and seven World Series. So you're talking about... That's a, that's a really, Hall of Fame resume. Really, at, during the era... Him and Joe, him and uh, Jack Buck were probably the voices of baseball, and Vince Scully, of course, and Vin, yeah. But no, good for him. TV voices of baseball, yeah. I um, you know, kudos to Al Michaels. Um, I, I like I like Al Michaels. For what it's worth, for those of you who don't know, the Frick Award it rotates every uh, three years among the following groups. Any Team- former players ever get in the Hall of Fame as announcers like that? Um, offhand, I know Jerry Coleman who got in for the Padres. He won the Frick Award. Um, technically, not technically, Bob Uecker is a former player who got in. Okay, can I re- I'll, I'll rephrase my question. I would think... Any good players? Well, the next <laughs> one I was going to say was Tim McCarver. Um, I don't think Scooter okay. ever got the award, but it certainly helped him get into the Hall of Fame when he did uh, okay. his broadcasting career. So none that I can think of. Um, but as I say that out loud, there's not really a ton of... Baseball guys that he would even consider it. Although, well, Cal used to do it. Although, Eckersley used to do it. I don't know if it was the Frick Award, but there's another award, um, and I can't think of it right now, but also for broadcasting and journalism. Uh, and Don Drysdale was a finalist. So that would probably be the biggest answer to your question. Because Drysdale's a Hall of Fame pitcher. Yes, that's the closest to what I'm looking for. So kudos to Al Michaels. Yet another notch on your incredible career. Uh, one last piece of hot stove news that I thought was interesting, and you know, I, we got to talk about the Yankees a little bit because they're our team. Uh, according to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, the Yankees have been in conversations for trades centering around Jamison Tyon. I didn't get this at all. And Josh Bell. So let's go piece by piece here. Tyon, I'm all for. Yeah. Coming off of surgery, but again, former first pick in the draft, great arm, a guy who when he's been healthy has been a great pitcher and would be a very good low-risk move for the Yanks, but I just don't see... I mean, Josh Bell two years ago, 40 homers, 100 ribbies, good left-handed bat, would probably mash in Yankee Stadium, but he's a first baseman. Where do you put him? There's no room for him. Unless if that, again, unless if this move is... So do you think these trade talks are the precursor to Luke Voigt being part of a big trade deal? Uh, that's the only thing that makes sense, unless if they're really... I mean, I'd say even if they're afraid of losing LeMahieu, this Josh Bell doesn't make sense. Look, in an ideal world, and, and this would require a lot of moving parts, but if you could swing a trade for Bell and Tyon and then say, I mean, we've talked about Voight, Andahar, and maybe Clark Schmidt and go get Lindor, I am all for that for next year. Yeah, but that's... But again, we just talked about so, so many moving parts. But And I don't even know if that's the best offer that the Indians would get for, uh, for Lindor. To me, I just think it's interesting that we're hearing that the Yankees are even in talks for Josh Bell. To yeah. me, it's kind of a fuck you to Luke Voigt, honestly. Yeah, no, I don't know what it is. That, 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 that does, there's something going on there, so stay tuned. I just don't have the answers in front of me. 
All right, now we're going to get into a little bit of rankings. We're going to do a little... You no, know, I'm watching this Google ad. Um, when's the last time you were on an escalator? Yesterday. When's the last time I was... Rode on? an escalator up the subway. Taking the subway in so long. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I took an escalator. Well, you know, for me, it was yesterday. I'll keep... What the... Air, airport, baby? God, it's been so long. So this is an interesting article that I just wanted to bring attention to because it's a guy that we both love. Uh, and it has Harvey? Another different guy that Solaire? we both love. And that's Johan Santana. Love him. And the crux of this article is the idea that if you win three Cy Young Awards, the Bavada odds on you making the Hall of Fame are almost 100%. Uh, the only guys, I think, who won three Cy Young Awards and aren't in the Hall... Roger Clemens. I think it might honestly just be Clemens, as I'm saying this out. Um, and then if, um, and then Kershaw is still at Kershaw, Scherzer. Both guys who are going to be in Cooperstown. Though. First ballot. I'm they'll, just, they'll both be first ballot. And they didn't win three in a row. Yeah, I'm just I'm just taking And Johan would have won three in a row and should have won three in a row in uh, 05. Yeah, so I mean, these are the guys we're talking for three plus Cy Youngs. Koufax is on I'm going to go top to bottom. Clemens. Clemens was seven. Randy Johnson, five. Carlton Maddox, four. Kershaw, Koufax, Pedro, Jim Palmer, Seaver, Scherzer. So we're talking all slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famers. And Clemens, who... The best pitcher ever, but he cheated. Correct. So the reason I want to bring this up is Johan Santana won in 04 and 06. And in 2005, he was robbed of the Cy Young. He finished third. Mariano Rivera finished second. Uh, and Bartolo Colon won the Cy Young that year. Uh, he won 21 games, and that was when wins were still the thing. Uh, but Johan Santana that year led the league in ERA, strikeouts, war, FIP, whatever you want to say. He's probably unanimous if that voting was uh, this year. Correct. Oh, 100%. He wins it in an absolute landslide. Uh, Cologne that year was helped out by his bullpen, which blew zero saves for him and had a six run support of 6.02 runs per game. Um, so clearly Cologne was not as good of a pitcher as Johan, but people loved the wins. So I have people also love Bartolo. Come on. People love Bartolo. Even then, he was a beloved figure. You know, he was still the big guy, just throwing fastballs exactly where where he wanted. Uh, so I have two questions for you here. The first one of which is: This the worst Cy Young outcome of the past twenty years? And I have to say, the answer is maybe. I did. Degrom had an above five hundred record when he won the Cy Young, right? Correct. Yeah, this is tough. This is the tough one that comes to mind. To me, the only one that even comes close is actually 2016 when Porcello won over Verlander because Verlander's other numbers were so good across the board, but Porcello won 22-4. and four. But all that said, 22 games for the Red Sox, and it came out of nowhere Like for a guy like Rick Porcello. You give it to the narrative there. It wasn't like Bartolo, though, was like in a Porcello situation where he was a nobody pitcher. No, nah, yeah, the um, Bartolo should not have won that set. Johan should have won it, especially coming off of Cy Young. I guess he... Maybe that's why he lost it, because people didn't want to give it to him back-to-back. So Johan fell off the ballot after one year. Uh, and there's a point in the article that I want your opinion on. If he wins three straight Cy Youngs, given that his career was over in his early 30s, um, but at that point, can you consider him to be the Sandy Koufax of our era if he wins three straight? I think the answer is yes, as crazy as that sounds. He, he was the best pitcher in baseball from about 04 through his first year on the Mets. So yeah, sure, why not? And he's a Hall of Famer at that point. Absolute shame for Johan Santana. 
To wrap up the show, we're going to do a little fun retrospection here, the first of which came from an athletic article I read from Andy McCullough where he did a bracket comparing all of the World Series winners uh, from 2011 to 2020, the past decade, and picked one to rule them all. I know who the winner is, but I'm not going to say. Uh, so we'll just get right into it. So the two teams with buys are going to be the 2020 Dodgers and the 2018 Red Sox. Dodgers are the one seed, Red Sox are the two seed. Uh, and again, that's prorating the Dodgers season this yeah, year, okay. 162 games, but... I still think that's a fair choice. So we're going to start with the wild card round here. Uh, the number seven versus the number 10 matchup. That is going to be two Giants teams. The 2012 Dodgers. Vort, the 2012 Giants. Giants. Versus the, of course I didn't write it in here. So it would be the 2014 Giants. Who you got? 2012 Giants were better. I'm going to go the 2014 Giants in that game. Just because it's a one game. And like they did that whole postseason. They ride mad bum. Yeah, but the other team also has Mad Bum and Mad Kane and Tim Lincecum. So you're going Kane over Bumgarner in the. I guess we should ask this: Are, are we? Do we want to do this as a wild card round or a wild card game? My answer is based on a wild card game. So let's agree on that. Okay, if it's a wild card game, then yeah, 2014 Bumgarner. All right, let's go wild card game. Just keep this going. But I like the depth of the 2012 team. 2019 Nats, the number eight seed versus the number nine 2011 Cardinals. So you're going to get Scherzer, Chris Carpenter here. I'm going to have to go with uh, the last good run of Albert, even though I did like that national. That national team was weird. They really just kind of caught lightning in a bottle late. That, uh, that 2011 Cardinals team was good. I'll go Chris Carpenter because the Nationals should have gotten bounced in that wild card game in real life if Trent Grisham just fields a Juan Soto single cleanly. Uh, so I am all for Chris Carpenter there. So now you have the divisional round. You have the 2020 Dodgers versus the 8-9 winners. So you got the 2020 Dodgers versus the... 2011 Cardinals, I think we can both agree we're going with the... Yeah, we'll go Dodgers. Dodgers pretty quick. But good run for Albert. Then you got the 4-5 matchup here. Uh, you have the 2013 Red Sox versus the 2017 Astros. <laughs> Astros. Both teams match. I'm just going to go with Verlander. Astros. The Astros. That Astros seems really good. The 2017 team. Uh, and then you have the number 2 2018 Red Sox. And they have the extra advantage of knowing what pitches are coming. Of course. 2018 Red Sox versus the... 2014 Giants. The Red Sox. That Red Sox team had sale firing. And price. Playoff price. They had sale and the best playoff price. Yeah, so. And then you have our final matchup, the 3-6, 2016 Cubs versus the 2015 Royals. I'm going with the Cubbies. I love that Royals team. I really do. Uh, I'm trying to make the case for them. Uh, I guess the case for that Royals team is... Um, they're coming off a World Series loss, so they're a, motivate, a more motivated, more ready team, more prepared team. Um, Cueto, I guess that would be it. The case would have to be that Cueto is the best pitcher in the series, and you can win. Uh, you can get three wins out of Cueto and find a fourth somewhere. But I don't think that's going to happen, so I'll go with the Cubs. All right, which brings us to the championship series. Uh, you have the 2020 Dodgers versus the team that beat them in the 2017 World Series. The Houston Astros. They get them again. Astros get them again. You're sticking with the Dodgers. I'm sticking with the, with the Astros. Yeah, they get them. Um, that Astros team could hit, and I like the. Um, I, I I think Verlander is 2017 Verlander. I think the Astros and rotation. Keuchel, Verlander, Keuchel, then Morton, the Morton McCullers. I think that four gets it done. I'll go with the 2017 Astros there too. Uh, the Red Sox versus the Cubs. That Red Sox team can hit, but I'm going with the Cubbies. They, that team had no holes anywhere. No, that Cubs team's good. Yeah, I got I got Cubs Astros. Uh, and I'm going to go with the Cubs in that game. I go with the Astros. They know what pitches are coming. I agree. I, I just think the Cubbies, 
Team of Destiny on their side, they broke the curse. The lineup was good, and their rotation, I think, was good enough to match up with that Astros rotation. Good enough, but not as good. You had Arietta, Hendricks, Lester, Jason Hamill, Chapman in the bullpen. Hopefully Joe Madden doesn't overuse him in this sense. Uh, so you're going 2017 Astros as your World Series team of the decade. I'm going 2016 Cubs, but I really think you can't go wrong either way. Who the Athletic go with? The Athletic went with the Cubs. Who they have over the Dodgers? Okay, so they uh, they're hypocrites. But it should be noted, McCullough might be a slight homer as a former Dodgers beat writer, but he was also a former Royals beat writer, uh, and he picked the Royals to get bounced pretty early. Well, they, that team wasn't very good. I think one also one thing you also have to give credit to that Royals team too. Uh, and it's not the 2015 Royals, but the 2014 Royals. The 2014 Royals were awesome. That was the team that exposed on a national stage that John Lester can't throw to first. They stole six bases in that wild card game, which is one of the craziest baseball games of all time. Yeah, they should be playing that one more often. I think they, that's a... Here's an idea for um, the MLB, if they need some uh, ideas. They, they should get some of this dead air time on ESPN and start playing old baseball games. When made during the offseason? I wonder if that's I, mean, a, the I N- wonder if that's a licensing thing though. Yeah, I don't know what games they'd have access to, but the NBA stayed like, the NBA was crushing it with throwing these old games. I was watching old NBA the entirety of their lockout or uh, of the uh, when the pandemic hurt. I was watching a bunch of old LeBron finals games. I got my 04 Pistons finals matchups. Like, the MLB needs to find in public network to show these old cool games to get people in uh, to get people pumped for the season. You sold me on it. Like you, I'd watch that Royals that Royals A's game. That was sick. I'd watch that Cubs Indians game. That was sick. I'm about to sneeze. All right, and with the sneeze, we mentioned last week Prince Fielder and Ryan Braun. And as I'm looking at my list, I realized that I didn't have Prince Fielder and Ryan Braun on it. So that is a big oversight. Oh, on my Jesus, end. Chase. Um, but the two lists we're going to mention before we wrap up are going to be the top 10 three four hitters of our lifetime and the top two one two punches in a pitching rotation. So we will start with the arm or with the hitters. Um, I have three honorable. Well, I have two honorable mentions, uh, and I'm gonna have Braun and Fielder as an honorable mention just because I forgot them in my list. I got them ranked seven. That's fine. So Fielder, Braun, Berkman, Bagwell are an honorable mention for me. They, I don't do honorable mentions. And Larry Walker and Todd Helton are honorables for me. That seems like you just love Colorado, Chase. Not at all, dude. You, you had a whole, you had a Hall of Famer, and I mean Todd Helton, 2001 had 372. I, I, I don't care. All right, so I'll go 10 to 1, and you can say if you had them on their list or not. Uh, so 10, I had a pair of MVPs, Joe Maurer and Justin Morneau. Yeah, I have them I have them fourth. Do you want me to just run through my list, and then you can run through your list? That might make more sense. No, I like this. I, I'll tell you, I have them fourth. Nine, I have Josh Hamilton and Adrian Beltre. I have Hamilton and Cruz at nine. Eight, I have two Joneses, Chipper and Andrew. Uh, they didn't make the list. Seven, only Yankee appearance on the list. I have A-Rod, Gary Sheffield. I went A-Rod, Tex, and put him at six. Six, I have Chase Utley, Ryan Howard. I have them at three. Okay. Um, That's, I love that team. Five, I have a pair of Mets, Carlos Beltran and Carlos Delgado. Yeah, I didn't put them on the list. Sorry, I have them four. I really just can't count. Three, I have Pujols and Roland. Two. Two, I have Kenton Bonds. They are my five. And I think we can then both agree on number one, Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz. And not I even a question. don't think it's particularly close. As it turns out, not close. Um, Other guys you had, though. Uh, for 10, I put Tulo and Cargo. 
Those are some fun okay. teams. Right? I was originally thinking Tulo and Matt Holiday, but they actually only played together for like a year and a half. But Tulo, Tulo was on my list. Tulo and Cargo. You like? I like that. The Cargo rumors forever that he was going to the Mets. Never happened. Classic Mets. Um, eight. Joey Bats and Edwin Encarnacion. I mean, those guys mashed up there. Yeah, that's a great call that I wouldn't have even thought of. Those guys absolutely mashed. And then, um, of course, uh, Braun and Prince. Yeah. Oh. The Prince Fielder Hour is still coming. Don't you worry. But uh, for now, I mean... Yeah, Braun and Prince are on my list because I actually only put nine. So you can put them up to one if you want. I could. I'm not going to. But No, the, you, I guess two. Because that Manny... I mean, Manny Poppy, when you want to think about three, four hitters, that... I mean, Ruth and Gehrig is what you want out of your three, four hitters. And then, I mean, you could make these 80 years went by before we had that. Well, the biggest thing, too, is they were a righty-lefty one-two punch, so you couldn't pitch around them. I mean, they were perfect together. They yep. were absolutely perfect uh, together, and they were a blast to watch. Tough, tough to root against, but because uh, they kept beating us when it mattered. So moving to the pitching side of things, you got a lot of overlap here. Yeah, I don't have mine ranked. You want, right. to, show me to, want to number them real quick? Sure, I'll start in the meantime. Uh, 10, I have Chris Carpenter. Yeah, I can't even number That's them. That's right. 10, I have, you could just say if you were on their list or not. Yeah. 10, I have Carpenter Wainwright. Correct. I have Carpenter and Wainwright, yes. 9, I have Clemens Oswald. I went Clemens and put him with Pettit just because they did it for two teams. 8, I have Verlander Scherzer. They, yeah, that duo was pretty good. 7, I have another Scherzer, Scherzer Strasburg. That is also on the list. 6, I have Pedro Schilling. Yeah, that again similar. God, that no wonder that 04 team won so many games. And they had the, you could put Pedro and Schilling high, but they didn't pitch together long enough. Uh, so there. Five. But, it was only two years, but I have Verlander Cole that high. I have Ver, that no that that twenty nineteen Verlander Cole was um, sensational. Four. I have Clemens and Moose. I that did not make my list. Three. Do you have Kershaw on the list at all? I do. With Granky. With Granky. That's my three. Uh, and then I would think our top two might be the same. Cliff Lee, Roy Holiday. Yes. And number one, I mean, these two guys single-handedly delivered a World Series to an expansion team. I know Gonzo got the game-winning hit, but Randy Johnson and Schilling. I mean, Schilling, if it wasn't for his own teammate and Randy Johnson, has at least two Cy Young Awards. Correct. Uh, and instead was the second-best pitcher on his own team because Randy Johnson won four straight Cy Youngs. That's kind of a no-brainer. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll throw out two. Um, the hometown pick is a uh, CC and AJ Burnett because just the I mean like what he was it came in one year gave him a bunch of money delivered a ring off the bat can't be discounted. I mean Burnett was kind of a wild card, but twenty nine they got a ring in their first year together they did everything you want. No, you're right. Uh, but the na- the the duo you you skipped out that I would be that should be on your list Lincecum and Kane. Yeah, I, I had all of those Giants guys together and were kind of was trying to figure out how to order them in my mind and couldn't really decide who to include and who not to include. Well, you should have gone with Lincecum and Kane. I'm trying to think of other guys I might have excluded because I'm sure there's even There's got to be some. I mean, there was Burley and... No, because Burley... Garland? Burley yeah, and John Garland? I mean, that World Series year, they were great. Garland won 18 games. I mean, you just go through, like, Sale, I wouldn't put with anybody. Sale with no, no, no one ever in, like, Garza Casimir? No. <laughs> That's kind of lame. I did. Uh, Jared Weaver and. I gave a thought to Arietta Lester, honestly. I thought about them. Years they yeah. put together. But, no, that's not a. Dad. I mean, they broke the curse, but other than that, it was kind of like. 
I mean, is there anything with the Indians, or those guys kind of keep going in and out? No, I was thinking. I mean, maybe you go Kluber and Carrasco, but like even that doesn't really. Carrasco is not the number duh for this list. And like Bauer wasn't really Bauer that much with Kluber, while Kluber was also dominant. Uh, Volquez and Cueto. <laughs> Johan never really had a stud running mate all those years. Degrom and. I mean, Degrom didn't, he didn't really take off until when Cinder was on the back nine of. The back nine of of his career. I mean, he's not on the back nine of his career, but or whatever the case is, he sucked when Degrom. And he didn't, he didn't even really take off when Harvey was the Dark Knight. So all in all, I'm I'm pretty content with our list. I think we did a pretty good job. Yes. If you have any other comments, feel free to shoot us a text. We would love to hear some more opinions on this. Uh, that's all I got for this week. Any concluding thoughts for you? Get your flu shot. It's getting cold. It's getting dark early. Daylight savings a real pain in the ass for everyone. Um, so stay safe, stay healthy, listen to Creed whenever possible. And, uh, new year, if you had any bucket list items you're trying to cross off in 2020, you're running out of time. My last thing is the Yankees. I've heard that you and DJ LeMahieu are $25 million apart. <coughs> Please figure it out or I'm going to be very, very sad for the holidays. DJ needs to stay in pinstripes. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Minorski. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great week.